like a creepy I don't thing? know. I wasn't watching it. sounded it. like a creepy thing. It probably was. This is our podcast. I'm great. How are you, Amy? I'm better now. My anxiety <laughs> is gone. <laughs> How was your Thanksgiving? It was good. How was yours? It was good. Great. It was, it was delightful. Yeah. We had a good time. Good. I, I love that. Lots of sangria. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, did you see the thing my center, sister sent us? My sister sent us. Yes. Except me. Yes. I need to look at that. I yeah, forgot she, to look at that. She said something like... Uh, because I don't know if you saw it. She said, you should watch the videos. It has stories you can use where they they used ghost statements during trials. What? Oh, well, I know they've used uh, in the exorcism of, what's her name? Uh, Annalise McKell. Yes. Yeah, you told me. That yeah. was uh, the first ever that like demons were used in a trial isn't that so funny yeah it's crazy <laughs> stuff like that that's wild bananas ghosts are real people um, legally legally yes legally <laughs> uh do you have a neighborhood story you bet your bottom dollar i do apparently there's like a whole huge story along this i have okay. not i literally just saw it five minutes ago okay <laughs> that's fair so i'll tell you what i know okay so we're looking at a gargoyle a gargoyle statue. Cute. With a Santa hat on and a Santa beard. Super festive. Super cute. Love that. Appropriate. For There's another gargoyle. There's the same gargoyle with an elf on the shelf Very and a yippie kaye with Die Hard, you know. Love it. that. And a snowman next to it. Says, so one of my neighbors left me a note informing me that my gargoyle statue is not appropriate and not in keeping with the Christmas spirit. So what I'm guessing is that they got this note before the gargoyle was dressed up, and then they started dressing up the gargoyle to yes. mess to with appease. the neighbor. Yes. So I looked it up even more on Facebook, and there's a whole Facebook group for it. Oh my! Gosh. And I'm pretty sure they were just trying to piss. I'm I'm sure they were just trying to piss off the yeah. neighbor, and yeah. they added more and more and more to it, like oh, more Christmas Lordy. decorations. It made the news. What? Yeah, it's a uh, Frank. What was it? Frank the gargoyle. Frank the Christmas gargoyle. Oh, I see it right here. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Oh my lordy, Frank the Christmas gargoyle. You got there's there is a petition out for him and everything. Oh, for <laughs> it's like <laughs> what? How did I miss this? But it ends up being like all super decked out, and I love it. And it puts like karen's in their place yeah come on let them have their fun you know i saw a skeleton on someone's car in fairbanks and they had a santa hat on and it looked festive and cute so do you, you know. hear about the drama that's going on with stuff and vehicles lights on vehicles no uh uh the someone got like seven or eight tickets recently in a row for having christmas lights on his car here in north pole and it's been like a huge, huge uprising. Like people are doing it now out of spite to the police officers and Tammy Wilson, which is our one of our representatives. Yeah. Um, she posted on Facebook. She posted on Facebook saying that um she was going to start have a parade and everyone's gonna 
decorate their lights, <laughs> their cars, and they're going to do a parade around the... Who's complaining? The police or, like, the public? The police? No, the police are complaining and giving the guy a ticket for having lights. I mean, I, it, it's, I understand it's, it's, de- dis- it's technically... A distraction. Yeah. I get it, but... I'm pretty sure, like, certain LED light. I know L- certain LED lights aren't even allowed, like, in cars. Yeah, but everyone. But, yeah, come on. Like, it's, like, once a year. Leave them be. Get yeah, over get it. Over you want to arrest everybody in town? Yeah. Go for it. Good job. Try it. Ruin the Christmas. <laughs> in North Pole, of all that's places. That's what everyone, like, that's what everyone's upset like, about. Like, the one Good place. Lord. Have you, have you seen the inflatables that you can put in your passenger seat? No. There's for you should get one cuz you're going to be driving every day now. But you can get a Christmas they have like reindeer, they have a Santa, I want to say they might have a Grinch and they have a snowman I think and it's just like a little like car inflatable or some kind of dummy that sits in your car with you oh. in your passenger seat <laughs> and you just drive around with them. Isn't that cute? I, I love, love that. it. I, I I told Josh he should get one. He's like, "No." He's lame. You're not I'll get one. one. Do it. Yeah. You should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. Also, happy beginning Christmas season, everybody. Yay, Christmas season. Start your Christmas shopping. Yep, or end it. And you know where you can start your Christmas shopping is at whatsworthaneighbors.com for merchandise. We got some merch you can buy. We got some really cool flipping episode shirts, guys. Those are my favorite. If you have a significant other, just, you know, subtly send them the link and be like this is what i want this is what i want also i think this is the last week once this comes out this is probably the last time that you'll hear for a warning that you need to order them now if you want them before christmas correct so put in them orders for your shirts yeah and wear them proudly yeah and be like what's with the neighbors a true crime and paranormal podcast. Have you not heard of them? Check them out. You blah, never blah, blah, blah. know what's lurking behind your neighborhood door. That your is neighbor's door. Accurate. So I'm going to tell you a story about a cult. <gasps> Yay! I'm so happy about this. Are they Amish? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It's okay. I don't think Amish are actually a cult. I, I don't. Just I think that's just a religion. They give very culty vibes for me. They they definitely do. I'm sorry if you're Amish and you're listening to this. Also, if you're Amish and you're listening to this, you're Good breaking you. a lot of rules. Yeah. Well, I think it depends on their what church or, uh, I don't know. I think it's what their family what their family yeah, yeah. Makes like sense. their area. I'm just checking to make sure your lights it's are fine. on. Okay, so I'm gonna start off in. T- uh, so this one, the last religious one I shared with you, it was kind of like all over the place. Like I had to like paint a scene to tell you a story. The one with the angel? Yes. Okay. And so that's kind of how this one is going to be too. All so right. All right. Keep up. All right. So save my questions for later if I can't figure it out. You can ask as you as we're going. That's okay. I'll give you permission to do that. All right. Okay. I don't have to raise my hand. Uh, you have to raise your hand. Sorry, that looked like it was going to fall. <laughs> it does. Save it. Okay. So this happened in Chadwick's New York. It's a small blue-collar time type of feel town. Uh, Kirsten Leonard moved there with her father. I said Kirsten. It's not Kirsten. It's Kirsten? Crystal. Oh, Crystal. 
Crystal Leonard moved there with her father when she was nine years old in 1988 after her parents separated. She was an only child and her and her dad had this really great relationship. So she decided to go with him instead, like live with dad. Um, they connected on, he was, uh, had a master's degree in soil and vegetation. So he was like a botanist. Yeah. Maybe. And so, and or he like was a, a teacher and for some reason, like they just kind of connected that way. So, uh, they started to go to a church called Word of Life. The church started out as like a small uh, Bible study group, but it grew into a larger non-denominational church led by Pastor Jerry Irwin. And Jerry Irwin had a way of speaking and like you would walk by him and you just feel like this presence of like something powerful as cult leaders do yes yeah right um and just the way that he would speak it was just like would wow that draw you in yes draw you in um jerry and his wife tracy had three children tiffany joseph and daniel the children had free reign at the church of life they basically could do whatever they wanted whenever they wanted um but tiffany had a special place in her father's heart and he kind of gave her special treatment and tiffany also used that to her advantage she would walk around acting above everybody else almost like she knew something about you that you're not supposed to know okay like just a weird like she's the, i don't know whatever karen go back to your yeah affair man's house yeah. yes exactly now we're gonna go back to bruce and Crystal. My Bruce. Sorry. <laughs> That's not how he talked. I'm sorry. <laughs> Bruce met an, a woman named Debbie Wright at the church and they got married. She had two children from the previous marriage, Whitney and Sarah. And in 1995, Bruce and Debbie had a son together, Lucas. And then in 1998, they had Christopher. So they got lots like of five kids. kids. Yeah, it's lots of kids running around. Ooh. Yeah, five. Uh, Lucas was very smart and Christopher was a quiet one of the family. Lucas also like he was smart, but also like sarcastic, like a little smarty pants. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, Love he, it. yeah, he, um, he was very intellectual, intellectual. He knew electrics. Yes. He knew electrics. all about the electric, the <laughs> electric slide as well. about any electric <laughs> wiring. You he got a was, fridge it needs fixed. He's got it. He yep. was five years old and fixing everybody's. He's like the Thomas Edison. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was very intelligent. And so that like he kind Benjamin of just. Franklin. Sorry. Electricity. Oh, I'm yes. Dumb. Thank you for Thomas Edison yourself. did the light bulb, I think. Don't ask me. I don't know. I don't remember. Anyway. Um, he was just because he was so smart. He didn't like use it in a way to like make people feel dumb, but he would. He would, so, like, his, obviously his family's in this cult. And right. he, he knows it's not, he has Church. to, which, yes, it's, exactly. He's like, this is way stupid, like, this is dumb. But he still participated because he wanted to please his family. So okay. he would just kind of be, like, make fun of the things uh, that they would do. Right. In a sense, uh, but not to their faces. Okay. So, I guess that's, Yeah. Okay. Like a passive aggressive? Yes. They would be like, 
you need to pay us money. And he'd be like, mm, sorry, I didn't bring my check with me. Yeah. Like <laughs> stuff like that. I don't know. So back to Jerry. Like I said, Jerry had a way of speaking to his members. He would say things to individuals that no one would know about them. And they would be like, whoa, how do you know that? Um, Like, you know, I know you're a closet drinker. And they'd be like, oh, my gosh, like he's a prophet. <laughs> so that got his the congregation to trust him, though. Right. And to believe that he was a true prophet. He gonna tell my dirty little secrets. Yeah. So to, to secure their belief, in 1988, Jerry had something... Jerry said to the congregation, something is going to happen to Joan. And it turned out that Joan ended up having brain cancer. <gasps> and she had... Five bleeding brain tumors. Oh, my God. And while she was on the operating table, she ended up having a stroke. And oh, the doctors no. were like, there's no chance at life for her. Like, she's going to be a vegetable. She's done. And when Jerry found out about this, he went to the uh, – I forgot what they called it. He went to the church, and he was praying with some of the other members of the church, and he was like – uh, you know, heal her, that sort of thing, bring her back. And he told the church members near him that he felt like something had changed. And just like he said that, or just like that, Joan woke up. Okay. So that Weird. was like, the church members were like, oh my gosh, he is a prophet. He spoke he directly to God. So. Okay. Which also, when you pray, you can speak directly to God. Yeah. Yeah. But they were like, He's the best. He's like his right hand man. Yeah. Yes, because he was a probably they they saw it as like God, Jesus, Jerry. Yeah. So or <laughs> Jerry, Gary, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine being a prophet and your name is Jerry? Jerry. Shut up, Jerry. Could have been like Moses. <laughs> you know, but it's Jerry. <laughs> Larry. <laughs> they just keep changing his name. You should just change his name throughout the <laughs> story. Everybody's going to be like, wait, who's Larry? <laughs> who's Terry? <laughs> who's Terry? So that also gained a ton of new followers, too. Um, of course it did. That's That sounds really crazy. Yeah. Uh, it sounds a lot like Bethel like Church. I, I'm just I would believe it. Yeah. So at its peak... They only had like 70 people, but coming from like just being a small Bible group, that, that was that was large for them. Um, the church quickly outgrew their old building and moved into an old school building. The gymnasium turned into the sanctuary. That's what I was trying to think of the, the word. Sanctuary. Yeah. Um, and that's where they would gather. And the third floor of the building became the Irwin's home. They they converted they it. They lived into, in the church. They lived in the school church, church school. That, yeah. So a requirement for the church was that all the members must go to work, because the church needed money, and you were required to give a portion of the money to, or of your income to back to the church. Okay. So if you weren't at work, you were working on the church and improving it remodeling it that's bullshit yeah so like that uh one of the documentaries i watched on it 
well, I only watched one, but the, one of the documentary I watched, the lady was like, so basically, like, if you wanted time to, for your family, you didn't get it. You you had to work you on the church. You had to either be working for money or working for the church. Yes. Yeah. So Money for the church. Yeah. And then devote the money back into the church. You didn't have to give all of your money, but right. a lot of it. You got to live. Yeah. Uh. Their motto was, put God first, and he will provide for you. And you, if, and you are not pleasing God if you are not pleasing the Irwins. So oh, if you okay. didn't respect them, you could be damned entirely. The Irwins controlled every aspect of the church members' lives. A member named, like I said, Crystal. Uh, she was only 20 years old when the Irwins approached her and said that she they had selected a husband for her. Oh, okay. And she's like, Joy. Thank <laughs> you for getting that chore I'm out of my so life. so happy. Me. Yeah. I don't have to go looking. <laughs> <laughs> His name was Chris Lindsay, and he was another member of the church. Chris she, and Crystal. Yeah. I see what you yeah. did there. It's cute. It's cute. <laughs> Generic. Uh, she knew him, she knew of him, but they, they weren't acquaintances or anything like that. And so they were like, you are going to date him and marry him. And she's like, yay. And they told her your duties is to reign in his loyalties to us. Okay, cool. So after a few months of dating, Crystal and Chris were and married. making sandwiches. Yeah, making sandwiches. Yes. Um, they, after a few months of dating, Crystal and Chris were married in November of 1999. Um, Damn, that was quick. Well, you know, what are you going to do? It was, it was like a crucifixion wedding. But like, Shotgun good wedding. for her for like, just marrying him. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess listening to your, your ruler. I want to know if they actually liked each other. I mean, their names were similar, so I mean, they had some kind of that's they were some, meant to be some kind of sim similar chemistry there. They're like, "Oh, your name starts with Chris, mine too." Yeah, now we can name all of our kids with a Chris. Funny you say that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so after at the age of twenty-five, Tiffany was ordained as the minister. Tiffany, the one that knew everybody's business. Yep, the daughter. Uh, she was ordained as, as a minister, and by 2012, Tiffany had taken over most of her father's duties of the church, and Jerry was seen less and less. And, like, the congregation would be like... Who's Jerry? Jerry. <laughs> Larry. <laughs> <laughs> um, the congregation would be like, where is he? And, and Tiffany would just be like, oh, he's not feeling well. And then uh, on December 20... Oh. Eventually, he wasn't seen at all, and Tiffany was like, he had a stroke. Oh, okay. And they're like, oh my gosh. Well, on December 8th, 2012, Tiffany called everyone in the middle of the night to tell them that Jerry had died. Oh. Just like that. Poor and Jerry. And she took over all of his duties completely. Okay. Uh, and the congregation actually was expecting him to resurrect because he was a prophet. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And so they would pray for days on end, expecting him to come back. Obviously, he never did. Would that be wild? I mean, if he that did? would be a wild trick if they t if they pulled that off. I mean, it wouldn't be that hard though because it's not like anyone saw yeah, him. Yeah, just tell everybody he's dead, and he'd be like, "Oh, come walking in for breakfast one day." What's like, up, guys? Larry. <laughs> 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 they 
while they were sorry while they were praying for him to come back tiffany was like if anything were to happen like he doesn't come back it is because of their sins and lack of faith oh it's all their fault yes (laughs) makes sense so since he's not coming back so They didn't. Obviously, you didn't come not back. Not point and fingers so, or anything, but it's all of your fault. It's all your fault. Think. Not because he wasn't a real prophet. <laughs> so the church members were hoping that Tiffany taking over the church, uh, they saw it as a sense of hope. They were hoping that you know things would turn and she would turn the place into a healthy atmosphere because. Obviously, he was not being great to the right. his congregation, especially he was, since they didn't see that they didn't see him. Yeah, and like making them marry uh, people, marry people, and doing chores, and so unfortunately, that was not the case. It seemed like Tiffany's control of the church intensified. She required the members not to watch TV. She had a hard time, a hard restriction of the use of internet. And it was also monitored by members of the church. So uh, they couldn't even Well, is this in the 90s? This is No, the dog. This is 2012. Oh, shit. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I was going to say dial up. That's not very hard. Just stay on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, they were not allowed to talk to other members outside of the church, which I wonder, like, if they got allowed that for... Like, if they're working. like Or, like, in passing. Like, going to the grocery store and be like, how's your day? Oh, oh, it's rainy outside. Probably couldn't. Like, no small talk. No small talk. But I, I'm hoping that they got restrictions for their job because that I mean, would be I mean, they kind of have to. Like, otherwise, <laughs> they're going to get fired. Yeah. <laughs> hey, did you hear me? Go put those cans on aisle five. Did you hear me? <laughs> Fired. Fired. Uh, Tiffany also used her two brothers, Joseph and Daniel, as intimidation. They were 6'3 and 6'4, 260 and 280 pounds, like these big old guys. Yeah, so she used them as intimidation. It was also known that throughout the congregation that Joseph had a gun collection and a weapon collection. So they would also stand at the doors of the church as bouncers and like just with their arms crossed with their little guns and weapons on their belts with their and like not greeting anyone, just standing there as people are entering the church. I mean, I do know some like in the South, I do know some of some churches that well, they don't stand at the door and like take guard. But like I bouncers, knew, dude. I know some people who will like volunteer in the church to carry because of yeah. like all the shootings yes. that have gone on. Yeah. But like that is a, that's like keeping you inside, not not letting people from getting in. Yeah. That's a little extreme there. Yeah. It's a little scary. I just I can't imagine a church having bouncers. Yeah. <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> oh, you could throw out. <laughs> you were chewing gum. Um, I see here that you used to be a bouncer at the Church of Life. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So uh it just it was intimidating for the churchgoers. Uh Tiffany believed that if someone had sinned, she would have them go into a counseling session, which okay. Uh, similar to like a confessional, but like but what kind of sin? 
like a simple like there's 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 big sins and there's little sins like right. cussing. yes yeah 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 but like yeah so it all sins brie all, all, all right. sins that's a that's a little that's a bit extreme that's a bit extreme you're correct uh these uh counseling sessions similar to a confessional uh would last hours oh my gosh and so she it would like it would start off like did you steal that that pack of gum and they'd be like yes i'm sorry and she said and then did you steal the money from the cash register yes i'm so sorry oh and then you're watching pornography on the on the computer yes i'm so, so. she would end up like putting words into their mouth like things that they didn't even do okay and they would have to confess to it because she was I'd be like, no, B. I didn't well, do the thing anything. is, is that if if you would say no, she would just continue. Like she would not stop. Like you would just be there longer and longer. So I would not be able to. Uh, and then you got the bouncers there, so yes. you can't leave. You, and but you're also intimidated by them because they're standing there over you with her. Oh, they're in. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Yes. So, so yeah. You don't want to be, like, be yep, hurt. Yep, did that. Yep, did that. Cool. Sorry. Yes, I My murdered bad. her. Sorry. Oops. Oh, Jerry. I yes, I'm. He's dead. <laughs> I killed Larry. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I gave him the stroke. <laughs> <laughs> um, she, at like, there was a point in time where she like really narrowed in on the the, the Lenard family, um, Bruce and Debbie and the Crystal kids, and the five kids. kids. Yeah. Uh, she really narrowed in on them, and Tiffany uh, believed that the parents didn't do an adequate job in disciplining the two younger boys. Uh, Bruce was very, uh, what am I trying to say? Bruce was very gentle-hearted and like did gentle parenting. You know, if the kids messed up, he'd be like, "It's okay, buddy. Like, no big deal. You can do it better next time." Oh, you punched Patient. your brother. <laughs> yeah, you punched your brother. You probably shouldn't do that type yeah. of thing. He, they didn't really discipline, but they were also like good kids. They also had most boys. Yeah, so, so like you kind of have to be patient with stuff. No offense to I mean, boys. yeah, but like they were good kids. Yeah. There was nothing wrong with them. Right, they were just kids. But Tiffany didn't like that. Like if they would be fidgeting in church while she's talking, and they wouldn't correct the kids. Tiffany would get mad at them. Oh, man. We'd be kicked out of that church in a hot minute with Natalie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She claimed that the devil was entering into the boys' soul. Oh, of course. But in reality, they were just normal kids. No, it's the devil. Yeah, it's definitely the devil. (laughs) With the way things were going, the church started to have, like, some of the members retreat and leave, which made Tiffany mad because she needs that money. Yeah. And so... She eventually... Oh, uh, she still has the whole money thing in place. Yes. Okay. But, like, at one point, I don't know when, at one point she made it where they would, she would say, like, you need to give this percentage of money, and then they would, and then it wouldn't be enough. And she's like, you guys need to give more, you need to give more. And so eventually it was like everyone's giving their whole paycheck to her. Oh, my gosh. So... They have to live and feed their families. No, they don't. Nope. Only to God. Only to the church. Uh, well, she uh, she did say that, or I think maybe Jerry said it, was if you give money to the church, he will provide for you. Right, yeah. So, whatever. Um, <laughs> so, a lot of people were starting to leave. 
In spring of 2014, Tiffany was speaking from a chapter of the Bible. I don't remember what chapter it was. I'm not going to lie. Um, and she said, God is asking a member of the church to give a large sum of money to the church. And if this member fails, someone close to that mem- that member will be harmed physically or even die. Oh, okay. You're making threat- threats now. Yeah. So, but she was claiming God was saying that right. to the church. So at the end of that service, Joseph, uh, Joseph Irwin went up to Crystal Leonard and he said, Crystal, we know it's you. You were supposed to give the money. And Crystal was like, how? I'm a, a stay at home mom. I don't make an income. I can't use my money, my husband's money because he's already giving it to all of you guys. Yeah. And she was like, what am I supposed to do? So for the next six weeks, she really spent time praying and like trying to figure out what she's supposed to do. She eventually came to the sense and thought, whoa, why can't we just leave? Like, yeah, let's leave. Let's. Yeah. Let's screw, these, screw this. Yeah. This is ridiculous. And so she and of course, there's always that like, well, they warned us if we leave, like we're going to be damned. But she's like, whatever. I'll take we're it damned up with if God. we do. Damned if we don't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's like, I'll take it up with God and see what happens. <laughs> so she left. Her and her husband and their daughter left the church. And she, uh, before she did that, she emailed her father and, and Tiffany, letting them know that her and her husband and daughter are leaving. And just like that, she had no communication with her family, uh, her parents and her other siblings, because Tiffany told them they're not allowed to talk to anyone outside of the church. Oh, my gosh. So... Crystal started attending another church, and that's she felt like she was safe and comfortable and welcomed. And she's like, "Whoa, this is how it's supposed to yeah, be. It's this weird. is weird." <laughs> so August sixth of two thousand fifteen, Crystal ran into Lucas, one of her brothers, and Bruce, her dad, uh, at her grandmother's house because her grandmother it was her grandma's birthday, and. Uh, she didn't expect to to have them there, but, uh, they were. And so she was like, this is really nice. It was a friendly encounter. She, you know, joked around with her brother and she got a hug from her, her dad. And she said it was really nice. Three days later, Crystal was getting ready for church when she got a text message from her brother, Lucas. He asked, what time does her church start? And she said, 10 a.m. And he said, Uh, Or she said, why do you want to come? And he said, yeah, I think I do. And can I stay with you for the next couple days? And she was like, of course, my home is always open to you. We will pick you up and you can come with us. So they picked him up. They went to church. And after church, they were heading back home when Lucas said he actually wanted to go back home. And Crystal knew, you know, if he's going to be in trouble regardless that he went to church and she didn't want to push more punishment onto him. So she's like, I will just let him lead because he's already going to be in trouble with Tiffany. I don't want to cause more issues. So I'll just let him go and, and maybe I'll be able to see him again. Um, she didn't hear from anyone in her family again until the evening of October 12th, 2015. Crystal was in the living room folding laundry And her husband was in the other room returning a phone call he had received. She couldn't hear what he was saying exactly, but she knew that something was wrong by the tone in his voice. And then he ended up hanging up and he came into the room crying and he told her that Lucas had died. 
Um, so using surveillance footage, the police were able to determine that a white Dodge minivan pulled up into a, the emergency room doors and the van belonged to Deborah Leonard, 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 uh, Lucas's mom. Tiffany and Joseph Irwin were also in the vehicle. Debbie ran inside the ER, told the guard there that her son was in the van and not breathing. Medical staff ran outside and started triage treatment in the parking lot, but he ended up being pronounced dead minutes upon his arrival. Uh. He was bruised from his mid-thighs all the way to his crotch, and the doctors determined he was shot in the <gasps> crotch. Oh, my gosh. Debbie and Bruce were arrested immediately. Uh, the interrogation tapes showed Bruce had completely disconnected to what was happening. Like, he was just like, like, it was. That's the parents, right? Yeah. It was just weird. Like, they, they're like, this is really weird. Like, they really felt like he was completely controlled by the church, by the way he was acting. Oh, my gosh. Um, the ME report, medical examiner report, came back with. Uh, the true cause of death, he was beat and whipped throughout his body. Aww. And the bruises on his body actually cr- were started to create a poison, which oh, then spread to all of his yeah. organs. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Bruce, in the interrogation room, Bruce was praying, like, think, like, after they left for a second, he said, thank you, Jesus, for bringing good to the impossible time. Which is very weird. What? Yeah. What good? Yeah. But at that point, he didn't know that his son had died. He, okay, the okay. guy, the after that, he, the detective came back in, and he's like, so I have bad news. Your son didn't make it. And he started crying and stuff Aww. and wailing, but it was like, the detective was like, yeah, I'm sorry. My condolences. <laughs> very, like, sorry. Sorry, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the detectives continued to interrogate Bruce and Debbie, but both of them were not cooperating very well. They were just, like, not giving any answers or telling them anything, like, where it happened, what happened, who right. did that to him. Nothing. Um, and finally, Debbie broke and gave the police just enough uh, to identify the location of the crime, which was the church. The police entered the church and there was just, like, a sense of eeriness, eeriness to the place. It smelled like dust, like a mixture of dust and mold. Okay. Like, oh. just, like, a, like a wet, right. yucky smell. Um, they started to find blood stains on the car. Oh, and it was, like, not kept up at, at all. There was, like, piles of, like, boxes. Like, they would just, like, throw trash in, like, one corner and stuff. It was very bizarre. Um, they found blood stains on the carpet and on the walls, and then they found where the beating had happened and where uh, Lucas had died. They then found Christopher, Lucas's brother. Uh, he was immediately taken in for interviews, but then they realized that he also had blood stains on him, Ugh. and so removing his his clothes, he had very similar. He got beat too. Similar bruises to Jeez. Lucas's. And he, his, the photos, like, his entire thighs are just black from bruises. Uh, He, when he was taken to the hospital, his kidneys were actually shutting down. Oh, my god! So, if Lucas had not been taken to the hospital. He would have died. He would have died because he would have never been discovered. Um, On October 12th, 
the evening after church, this is what happened. Tiffany asked the Leonard Leonard family to stay behind for a counseling session, which that would just have me panic yeah. right then and there. Yeah. <laughs> Tiffany had learned from Lucas's half-sister, Sarah, that Lucas went to church with his older sister, Crystal, and the parents did nothing to stop him. Oh so my everyone was getting punished. Punished. Tiffany accused the two boys, her half-brothers, of, or sorry, not Tiffany. Yes, Tiffany. Not her half-brothers, though. Tiffany accused the boys for having voodoo dolls, witchcraft, and causing pain and suffering to Tiffany herself. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Bitch, if I had a voodoo doll and it was against you, you'd be dead. You'd be dead. (laughs) Uh, she then accused them for molesting young children of the church, specifically Sarah, their half-sister's kids. Um, the boys didn't admit to anything because they didn't do anything. Yeah, and and those are serious accusations, too. Um, and they also denied the accusations. Bruce and Debbie were, like, begging them to confess. Like, just say that you did it and we can, you know, you can be... Um, forgiven and repent and blah, 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 blah. And they also, like, weren't even giving any, like, doubt to what Tiffany was saying. They, like, they completely believed that they had, their kids had done this just because Tiffany said that they did. Joseph, Tiffany, uh, Tiffany's brother, started punching the boys in the stomach repeatedly their parents just sat there and watched oh it happen my gosh. and believed that it was called for by God. <sighs> so around 2 a.m., Bruce and Debbie started participating in the punishment. <gasps> Jeez. And they took an extension cord, taking turns beating them both. Eventually, the boys started to admit to the accusations, hoping that they would stop. And Tiffany would say during the beatings, like, God told me there's more. What else have you done? So, you know how I told you that Lucas is a little smart, smart yeah. Alec? Yeah. Well, he ended up just saying things out of spite because he's like, it doesn't matter what I say I'm at gonna this die. point. Yeah. So he was like, yeah, I did that. Yeah, I did that. Oh, yeah, I hurt those kids. Yeah, I hurt my, my nieces and nephews and, and I assaulted them and this and that, which triggered Sarah because Sarah was like in a fit of rage like oh my gosh he actually said that he did it oh my gosh so she uh took the extension cord and that's her injuries that she inflicted on him is what put him where like he had to go to the hospital Bruce was like this is enough you are killing my son right and so he had them stop and that's when he took Lucas to the hospital um and Deborah or Sarah, which one was the one that lived? Christopher. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he was. Uh, Sarah was beating Lucas more than Christopher because he was the one. Lucas who was, was antagonizing. Everything. Right. Yeah. Um, and Sarah even to this day, or not to this day, but during her trial, she believed that he was doing those things. Like she still, still believed it, but she, uh definitely like blacked out or something because she doesn't really remember what she did so 
Deborah pled guilty to assault in the first and second degree and was sentenced to five years in prison. Um, and she was released in January of 2020 from the Bedford Hills Correctional Facility. Mm. So she's out. Cool. The mom. Crazy. The... Uh, Bruce pled guilty fe- to felony assault and was sentenced to 10 years in pre- prison. He is currently in the Auburn Correction- Correctional Facility, and he'll be up for parole in 2024. Sarah received 25 years for manslaughter and assault, and she'll be up for parole in 2037. She got the worst because she finished the job, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Uh, Joseph. Irwin was sentenced to eight years for first-degree gang assault, and Daniel received two years for unlawful imprisonment. Because um, Daniel uh, didn't actually punch it, anybody. Uh, Joe did, but Daniel made them stay in the room. Right. And uh, Crystal said during the trial that Joseph, or not Joseph, Daniel was the only one that seemed to have any sense of remorse. So, like, he actually looked like he felt guilty for right. what he did. Um, during Tiffany's trial, she was emotionless and pled guilty to manslaughter and assault at the age of 29. She was sentenced to 12 years in prison. And after pleading guilty, she asked the judge to rescind her guilty plea, saying that she was forced into a guilty plea, but he denied her request. And she only got 12 years. Manslaughter is like an accident. Like yeah, yeah, I know. Somebody. Like okay. if you accidentally hit someone with a car. Yeah. Uh, she is currently in the Bedford Hills Correctional Facility, and she'll be up for parole in 2026. Cool. So another cult will rise. Yeah. Uh, as of now, Christopher is adjusting to his life outside. He returned back to high school and finished his senior year. And I tried to find him on Facebook. Poor and kid. I think I found him, but... I wasn't positive. He's probably traumatized and oh probably just gosh. over it. How it it blows my mind how people get so like engulfed in like yeah these and believe cults these and, things. Like, your own flesh and blood. You beat you beat your child to death. Yeah. Good job. And your sibling. Yeah. Like how? Why? Why? Why would you? And like, why would you take someone else's word for your own flesh and blood? And like that woman, or Sarah? Yeah. Did your kids say anything? Exactly. Like, or are you oh, just they, taking the church they, lady's word? They did an examine on the children, uh, like did a rape kit, and nothing. There sh- was no evidence. There was no evidence. That's ridiculous. That so, that's good, but yeah. that's. Ugh goodness freaking cults man i know they're wild yeah they are they're very fascinating i'm like blown away that this happened within the last 10 years yeah so what was the church called uh um church of life church of life okay i thought that's which i I googled church of life one and because there's like some in there's a church of life in delta junction is it the same thing, you think? I don't think so. I no. think they yeah. just have the same they name. Have, they just happen to have the same name. But it's just weird. I was like, what? Did this happen in Delta People Junction? People probably join the, join the church, and they're like, uh. And they're like, no, no, no. It's you guys a, do some culty stuff here? Common common misconception. <laughs> Not the same church. <laughs> we spell life differently. L-Y-F-E? Yeah. <laughs> 
that was a good one yeah i feel sad for those siblings i feel sad for all the people in your stories (laughs) yeah that's true for most of the people in your stories not the bad guys though no 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 no. they deserve prison they deserve that that bitch deserves life yeah that's just crazy because more than more than 12 years isn't it illegal to like have a cult yeah i would think so I don't know. You can have your own beliefs. It's you. That's you, true. That's it's. I think it's an amendment that that you can have your own. It's protected under the First Amendment. Uh, yeah. What yeah. is it? What is the First Amendment? Uh, establishing religion and protect okay. freedom I, of religion. I thought, I thought it was something. Freedom. Of, yeah. Freedom of religion. Yep. Yep. And for freedom of speech. Oh. So we our neighborhood cult is not illegal. Correct. Join that Facebook page, you guys. Yep. Facebook group. Oh. Uh, speaking of neighborhood cult, we're going to do things a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Follow us, everybody. Uh, you can join us in our Facebook group that Amy just mentioned. Uh, what's with the neighbors? We also have a Facebook page. We also have a Twitter, a TikTok, an Instagram, a Snapchat. We're on everything. And that's at WWTN podcast. We have a website where you can find our merch which we have our new episode shirts out. You should go check them out. We mm-hmm. also have a link to our Patreon. Which is patreon.com forward slash WWTN podcast. Um, for $5 a month, you can be on the donor bus. And uh, you get our video, our episodes videoed, unedited, and early, along with exclusive content. And for $3 a month, you can get our audio episodes early, with exclusive content uh it's only five dollars or three dollars a month and you get a free um magnet for signing up uh christmas you get something from us as well uh it's definitely worth it um and you can also gift it as a a gift for someone for the year so check it out patreon.com forward slash wwtn podcast and feel free to slide into our dms with any questions comments or story suggestions um, that's at wwtnpodcast at gmail.com. Now, Thank do you. you have a story? I do. Okay, so for this holiday season, since we are officially in December in the Christmas season, I wanted to um, – I've been kind of researching, uh, like, traditions and whatnot mm-hmm. and, like, Christmas stories. Yeah. And – it is a thing in like the Victorian and English uh, culture to culture uh, to tell spooky stories over the Christmas holidays. I love that. You know, it's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories. That is where that comes from. So I thought that was like oh, super fascinating. I love yeah. That. Yeah, I always it's wondered scary why ghost they stories. Would, yeah, I always wondered why that was yeah. in there. I'm like, they're not. They're, there's no way they're saying scary ghost stories, but that's what I always say. Yeah. And I finally like actually looked up the lyrics, and I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Okay, that makes so much sense. So though. it's it's a thing. Like, um, let me think. The what's that tale? Uh, Christmas Carol is that what it is with Scrooge? Yes, that is. Uh, that came from this whole thing of telling ghost stories over right. the Christmas season. Which makes sense because I always thought that was very dark for yeah, Christmas. Yeah. They're usually like a dark story that kind of or sometimes will end on a light note. But <laughs> sometimes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I decided to find some fictional ghost stories. I was looking on Creepypasta 
um, for this particular one. And I found someone who was very well with like writing her stories. Turns out she's a writer. She writes books. Um, she, her name is Jess Charlie and you can find her book stories and more on her website at jesscharlie.com, which can be found in the description of this episode. We'll put that in there. Yes. Also, you can follow her on Reddit, Twitter, and Facebook at Melting Alphabet. I love I just, that name. <laughs> yeah. I just, I want to, I want to make sure she gets credit because uh, her stories are good. To, she had to give you permission to yeah, share Yeah, like story. she yeah. legit sent me like all, like a bunch of her stories and she's like, please. And also you can buy her books on there because she oh, has cool. a full chapter book of different like holiday spooky scary stories so that would be fun to do for the holidays yeah like to read them yeah so Um, check out her website i also want to add while our show is rated explicit there is a very the particular story that i chose there is some kind of vulgar and sexual content in there and it Listener gets it gets a little advice. steamy for a minute. I'll give you a warning ahead of time if okay. you want. And you can skip like ten seconds ahead. Sure. Yes, that works. Yeah. Maybe if, 15. if you don't want to listen. <laughs> yeah. I'm so, gonna I'm gonna plug my ears. It gets I don't a little steamy for a minute, and you're like, Ugh, I'm gonna okay. mute Brie. I'm just gonna like mute you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just gonna be a bunch of. <laughs> it is. It is worth it, guys. This story. I was reading it earlier, and I'm like thinking it's like gonna go one way and then it goes just i'm way. so excited to hear this i love chris creep cre- cre- like creepy christmas stories pasta. yes so this one this one actually wasn't on creepypasta but i had found another one of hers on creepypasta and then she had sent me her book with all of her stories in it yeah and i found this one and i like this one even more oh so this it. one is called i should have known okay hopefully i don't screw it up all right I should have known something was off about Juniper. For starters, her name was Juniper. Listen. (laughs) That's a great name. (laughs) That should have been my first red flag. But when her photo popped up on my tender, my thumb hesitated over her face. Face. Yeah, it was a bathroom selfie. And yeah, her lips were pursed in an annoying duck or semi-duck face. But fuck, she's hot. (laughs) My thumb slid across my phone screen as I swiped right. Our first date was at a bar near her work, somewhere in Midtown. She wanted to meet up on a Tuesday. I'd I'd have preferred a weekend night, but whatever, I'm flexible. When the catch is hot enough. Wow. It, it was some douchey place with a sports reference for a name, foreplay, or something. <laughs> <laughs> Clever. The place was filled with frat boy, now financial advisors, taking advantage of happy hour specials and attractive bartenders in tight tank tops. I grabbed us a table in the back behind the giant Jenga and pool tables. We've all been to those places. I haven't. I have. There's a really cool place like that. And there's a couple of cool places like that in Destin. My phone buzzed when a text message, running late, be there in 10. I rolled my eyes and took a sip of my cheap jaeger is lager 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 sorry i was like yeah. is there any not other jaeger. Type of <laughs> not cheap lager lager uh she better be worth it jeez he sounds like a like jerk. a douche yeah. yeah 
My beard caught in my throat, and she walked past the bar into the main setting area. She scanned the room for me, her long blonde hair over one shoulder. She wore a fitted button-up shirt, unbuttoned at the top, and a pencil skirt. Her long, thin legs ended up in a pair of pink pumps, a little bit of a spice in an otherwise fairly conservative business outfit. I felt my groin warm as my eyes lingered on her calves. That's not even, that's not the spot. Her face lit up with recognition when she caught my gaze. Her tender picture didn't do her justice. Her nose and chin were rounded, uh, her face an oval with a slight widow's peak. Her lips were full and rosy pink. Her blue eyes wide with excitement. I raised my glass and smiled at, smiled my most charming first date smile. Five hours later, I lay in bed empty and satisfied, uh, lay in bed with her empty and satisfied. Ew. Overall, a decent first date. As I listened to the water running from Juniper's bathroom, I decided with drowsy comfort that she would make a great sacrifice. What? We dated for a few months. Juniper was hot, cheeky, and wild in the bedroom. Things were going great until she invited me to her parents' cabin for Christmas. Oh. My father passed away earlier that year, so no one was waiting for me. I had to keep Juniper close for this year's offering, and I figured it was the season of family. As they say, the more the merrier. We weren't able to drive up to her I'm cabin. I'm sorry, I'm just till like- Christmas Eve. <laughs> yep, just keep on listening. <laughs> Juniper worked as a legal secretary, and the office didn't give her much time. I know. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to be a secretary, but, but it sounds like the same thing. A secretary to the secretary. Kind kind of. It just makes me think of Dwight Schrute's oh. assistant to the... <laughs> uh, Juniper worked as a legal secretary, and the office didn't give her much time off, so it wasn't till around 3 p.m. before we were loading Juniper's luxury crossover. It's okay. I thought... It's okay. I thought. Still plenty of time. Okay. She wove the car through snowy back roads and explained to me what a snow tire was. I had only recently moved up north from Florida, and I thanked Christ she didn't ask me to help drive. But I had never seen snow before, and its beauty struck me. I watched out the window as we passed the sparkling white landscape, mesmerized. That's always kind of cool to see people for the see first time. Snow yeah, for the first time. Yeah, especially when it's sparkly. Yeah. Uh, her parents, both lawyers, were loaded, so uh, I don't know why I was surprised when we pulled up to the family cabin. The two-story mini-mansion was built from polished wood and stone. Large columns stretched up from the ground to the roof, creating a sharp awaning that sheltered the double-glass front doors and floor-to-ceiling windows that spotted the modern exterior. Juniper parked her car at the top of the driveway, expressing obvious annoyance that all three spaces in the garage were already taken by her parents and sisters. Uh, How annoying. I have to park outside. Uh, Three spots were taken. I am going (laughs) to say I am very annoyed I have to park outside for work. There's no parking garage there? No. That sucks. I know. Uh, I peered out the passenger window at the house. Large, soft snowflakes fell lazily to the ground, illuminated by two spotlights shining from the front yard onto the cabin's facade. The light reflected off the snow, giving it the illusion that the heavens were raining gold. Oh. Wow. I know I'm from Florida, but I paused. This isn't really what I was picturing. (laughs) 
Juniper lowered onto the wheel to get a better look at her family home. Her face glowed in the warm light from outside. She chuckled. Yeah, I know, but don't be fooled. It's not all fancy. She eyed me mischievously. The cell service is fucking shit. (laughs) Ah, I nodded as if that one fact brought her whole family back down to earth. (laughs) You brought your swimsuit, right? I laughed at the joke. Oh, of course. Her smile fell. No, Calvin, I'm serious. You brought your suit, right? I looked out at the snowy wilderness around us, unsure how to respond. Juniper sighed. For the jacuzzi, I'm sure my dad has an extra pair you can borrow. It might be big on you, but it'll do. Oh, great, I said without much enthusiasm. Big wet snowflakes coated us in the few minutes it took to unload the car and jog to the house. The door closed with a thud and Juniper dropped her bags, kicking off her pristine duck boots before bounding down the hallway. Amber, Clover, where are you guys? I placed the box of meticulously wrapped gifts I had been carrying down and grabbed a quick look at my watch. 514, perfect. The ride up was faster than I had expected. Still plenty of time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't want to know what happens. <laughs> I looked around to see what I was standing. What I looked around that. I looked around to see that I was standing in the entrance room. The wood floor and walls glowed with yellow light radiating from a huge chandelier hanging above my head. It was made of light gray branches braided around each other, their bark smooth and manicured as if they had naturally grown that way. Sounds really pretty. Yeah, it does. Feminine squeals rang down the hall from the back of the house. I stood there awkwardly, unsure what to do. At least I looked the part. Juniper, dissatisfied with my wardrobe, had brought bought me a tan wool coat. She explained that my faded leather jacket was neither weather appropriate nor fashionable. Wow. I had moved up (laughs) to the city during the summer and my closet hadn't been prepared for the blistering winds and the snow of the north. I'm lucky I had Juniper to help with that, at least according to her. Snow clung to the shoulders of the department department store coat as the warmth of the house embraced me. I could feel the chilly wetness of melting snow sink into my knit beanie. A matching scarf was wrapped around my neck, the fibers clinging to my moist lips unpleasantly. I grabbed at the scarf with my gloved hand and pulled. In my defense, I wasn't used to the lack of individual fingers and clumsiness of hand-wrapped, of a hand-wrapped in thick wool. I had half of the unwielded piece of clothing in one hand while the end hugged my throat tightly when the Mills family entered. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no, baby. Juniper's voice was filled with amusement. As she rushed to help me, she took the scarf and carefully untangled it from my neck. A graveled voice boomed, filling the space. June, you mentioned you were from the South. Or June mentioned you were from the South. Guess you guys don't really need winter accessories down there, huh? Juniper continued to help me undress out of my winter outwear as I turned, behind her stood the beast of a man. He towered over my 5'11 frame, his shoulders bordered, bordered than a, broader than a football player's. His beard was thick, yet nearly trimmed. He wore a fitted flannel shirt and pressed jeans, making him look more like a lumberjack who modeled for L.L. Bean on his days off, uh, days off than a lawyer. <laughs> my mouth hung open for a moment before I regained my composure. Mr. Mills, it's nice to meet you. I extended my hand around Juniper, 
who was still working on my coat. I'm Calvin. Matthias, Matthias. He roared joyously, pushing Juniper out of the way as he pulled me into a tight embrace, my body engulfed by his meaty chest. I'm not ashamed to admit it was the best hug of my life. <laughs> Comforting and warm. Have you ever had like one of those? Like, yeah. I, 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 like I know. a really good hug. Yes. Yeah. For a moment, I forgot about the greater good, my purpose of life, my father. It was like being suspended in a vat of Christmas and love. He let go of me, and I stepped back, noticing for the first time the two figures behind him. Calvin, these are my sisters, Clover and Amber, Juniper said, beaming from them, beaming from me to them. Juniper was the middle daughter of three. Clover, at 29, was the eldest, and Amber, at 22, was the youngest. The only thing the sisters had in common was that they were three of the most gorgeous women I have seen in my life. Clover had silky black hair cut short at her chin. Her features were sharp, her thin gray eyes bordered by heavy eyelashes. Her smile, quail, she smiled coyly at me as she extended her hand. Nice to meet you, Calvin. While Juniper's voice was highly high and bubbly, Clover's was low and throaty, similar to her father's, but with a husky feminine quality oh. that made it difficult to think her of her as my girlfriend's sister. And I'm Amber, a soft voice said to my left. I tore my gaze away from Clover to the youngest sister. Amber was much shorter than her siblings with thick red hair and a circular face. She had a button nose and round green eyes. She looked like she stepped out of an Irish folktale. Amber contrasted sharply with the sisters. Juniper was tall and uh, had an athletic build, tight but soft firm and preppy like a cheerleader clover was tall and thin angles and bite the only one in the room who actually looked like a lawyer but ironically was a painter oh and amber ironically ironically and amber well let's just say amber's curves swelled and embedded in all the right places a sailor could get lost in exploring those rolling waves oh I smiled and took her hand. It was a pleasure to meet you. Juniper didn't talk about her family much, and I knew well enough not to ask, but I made a mental note to discreetly broach the subject of whether she and her sisters all had the same parents. Uh, where's Mrs. Mills? Mateus smiled, wavered. Eh, she had to run an errand. His eyes shifted to Clover, whose returning gaze narrowly, narrowed slightly. His dark eyes shot back to mine. And he smiled confidently again. The moment of weirdness over as suddenly as it started. She'll be back later. Come on, Juniper. Help us with dinner. Amber said as she grabbed her sister's hand and began to pull her down the hall. Clover's mouth turned downwards as her dark eyes lingered on me for a moment before following her sister's. Something heavy hit my shoulder and I jumped. Mateus had clapped his huge hand onto my back. Let me tell you. It's nice to have another man to talk with. I'm always surrounded by women. He laughed in a low, good-hearted growl as he led me into another room. We <laughs> entered a carnivorous, uh, a carnivor can cavernous, not carnivorous, a carnivorous <laughs> living room. I mean, it is carnivorous as well. A cavernous <laughs> living room, the ceiling arching high above us. Several thick naked wooden beams held it up. A large red oriental rug stretched from wall to wall, complementing the forest green walls well. Two large brown leather couches sat 
kitty corner to each other in the middle of the room. The walls were lined with hunting trophies. The taxidermy heads of different animals stared out across each other, their dead glassy eyes unseen. Deer and bears snarled meaninglessly, their teeth bared without emotion. Mm-hmm. A bobcat perched on a rock in the corner of the room next to a fat pheasant. Against one wall was a large glass gun rack. Uh, polished rifles gleamed in the warm he- overhead light. The centerpiece of the room, a massive moose head, rested above the marble fireplace in which a large fire roasted, radiating heat and golden light around the room. So basically, don't mess with them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Catching me eyeing his collection, Mateus laughed. Are you a hunter, Calvin? I thought for a second before carefully choosing my next words. My father and I used to go hunting once a year together. I still practice the tradition. Okay. Good. His deep voice resonated with the warmth from the fireplace, creating an atmosphere of masculine comfort and safety. I like a man who hunts. I smiled at him and nodded, unsure how to respond. Sit down, sit down, he ordered. He fell into one of his couches. I obliged, sitting on the other couch, facing him as I prepared for the inevitable father-to-boyfriend interview. Calvin, he rolled my name around his tongue experimentally as he eyed me. That's a protestant name, isn't it? Uh, I stammered, taken off guard. Yeah, I guess so. Mateus leaned forward, resting his forearm against his thigh. Do you believe in God, Calvin? The line of questioning was going down a dark path I had not expected. In four months, I had been dating Juniper. She had never brought up religion. Of course. My answer was slow and deliberate. Mateus nodded, his eyes narrowing at me. God is the most important thing to this family. The Mills clan walks close with him. We, we are his servants, and we take that role very seriously. Sounds like your story. But also, the, it reminds me of last season's Love is Blind with the, I forgot their name, it's the blonde chick. Oh, 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 yes. And the guy that she yeah. was like, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't, you can't think of his name, but I can think, see his yeah. face, his big bug eyes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I nodded. My family believed the same. We were very devout. Were, Mateus asked. My father died this past February. I never knew my mother, but my dad raised me to be fearful to be fearful of God. And what do you believe in now? I hesitated. I still practice. You can be honest with me, Calvin. Mateus sat back in the thick leather couch. I won't tell Juniper not to date you because of your religious beliefs or lack thereof. He laughed as if that last part was a joke. I smiled at him. I'll admit I don't follow the more embellished of the ceremonies my father taught me, but I still believe in his word and actions. Okay. Mateus nodded. I can respect that. I know my daughters only participate in some more, some of the more, how do you put it, embellished of the ceremonies solely for my benefit. I understand the younger generation doesn't care as much for the ritual of worship, but I think it's important that you know how deeply this family's spirituality runs god comes first in the house when god asks us to do something he paused looking towards the floor as he cleared his throat he looked back up at me he gazed fierce freezing me in time and space we obey without question like a really serious first talk yeah it is (laughs) as it should be i said 
We stared at each other for several moments before the tension was broken by Mateus's deep laughter. I like you, Calvin, he said. I'm going to go grab a beer. Want one? That'd be great, thanks. He left as I sat in the living room surrounded by the fire and deaf. <laughs> Dinner and drinks passed uneventfully. The food was delicious, and Mateus's wine cellar was impressive. I didn't even notice the absence of Miss Mills throughout the course of the meal. Oh, yeah, she still hasn't shown up. Nope. Mateus kept filling my glass, and I drank the rich red wine with relish. It's probably blood. I should have... Oh, I didn't think about that. I should have known better. Christmas Eve had been me and my father's night, so maybe my overindulgence was an attempt to deal with his absence. Maybe I wasn't ready to go through that night's right without him just yet, but I knew at the back of my mind that I had to, that it was my duty, that I owed it just to my father, not just to my father, but to the world. As Mateus poured another glass of wine, I looked down at my watch, 9.58. I need to pace myself. To rest, I need to. I need my wits and strength for the witching hour. Oh my gosh! Luckily, I did not have to excuse myself early. As the clock struck ten, Mateus raised his glass and cheer. Let us bless our last sip of wine before we head to bed. His eyes twinkled with, with drink. Tonight's a big night for us, so let us toast to the family. He held his glass towards me, and new friends, to endings and new beginnings. He winked. He winked, his smirk lopsided. To most sacred holiday and to God, let us give to him all that he asks of us and hope he favors us with the treasures of his bounty. He stretches his glass to, he stretches his glass to mine. To St. Nicholas, our wine glasses clinked as the sisters' voices echoed their father. To St. Nicholas. I laughed and drowned the last of my wine, attributing each and every red flag to the quirkiness of rich and spoiled family of lawyer <laughs> lumberjacks. So, um, here's the part. Um, Plug your ears, everyone. Explicit content coming to you now. <laughs> and I'm going to be super, I'm so glad most of you can't see my face. All right, I'm just going to try to breeze through this. I woke later that night to hands running up my chest. I opened my eyes, my mind groggily trying to catch up to my body's instant reaction. A warm, naked body pressed into me. I whirled towards her, pulling her closely. It's my not lips, her. My lips found her soft skin, and I kissed her neck, tracing the gentle curve to her jaw. Something brushed lightly against the back of my neck, but my brain was too drenched in desire and sleep to register the sensation. She moaned and I ran my hand up her side. As I cupped her breast, the subtle, supple flesh gave under my fingertips and electricity shot through my body as I squeezed, bringing my mouth to hers. I kissed her deeply. Arms wrapped around my back and I opened my eyes with instant focus. My vision suddenly filled with Clover's cold gray eyes, or oh. cold gray gaze. I knew it wasn't her. So it's not the sister. I recognized the sensation of, of breasts much larger than Juniper's or Clover's pressing against the, my back, firm and soft. <gasps> Amber's breath was hot on my ear. Shh, don't fight it. Her tongue Thought it was going to be the mom. <laughs> her tongue slid across the sensitive skin at the top of my neck and brought my earlobe between her lips. She sucked softly and my dick swelled. I turned to face her, her lips finding mine as I pressed myself into her thighs. 
I moaned lightly as Clover's hand snaked around my hip. As I kissed Amber, Clover moved my cock, gently teasing it before wrapping her fingers around the shaft. Oh, fuck, I gasped as she began to stroke. I rolled onto my back, my eyes closed as Amber and Clover explored my body, their heat radiating into my sides. Clover kissed my neck and whispered, open your eyes. I obeyed. Above me, standing at the foot of the bed, was a woman. I sat bolt upright, filled with sudden panic. Clover and Amber's hands fell away as they watched my reaction with amused expressions on their faces. The woman stood looking at me. Her hair was long, longer than Juniper's, and it was stark white. Not graying, but pure white. She stood completely naked, her pale body glowing in the silver light of the moon outside the window. Her eyes were wide, revealing pupils completely milky with cataracts. Oh my gosh. She looked ageless, color fading from her along with her youth. Yet her fair skin was still smooth and firm. Calvin, mom, mom, Calvin. Clover cooed beside me, her voice a mix of sensuality and power. Miss Mills stared at me with those unseeing eyes, and she smiled. It's nice to meet you, Calvin, she said quietly, her voice delicate. I was breathing heavily, my panting shifting from arousal to feel in more than seconds. My fight or flight instincts was screaming at me to do something, but I was frozen. My eyes darted to the digital clock on the nightstand, 1128. My alarm was set to go off, only in a few minutes. I still had time to prepare for the ritual. I looked up at Mrs. Mills, who was still smiling at me, waiting for a response. My voice came out strained, tight with fear, confusion, and some embarrassment at the sheer amount of nudity around me. (laughs) That's me. (laughs) Yeah. Like, hey, family! (laughs) Yeah, I didn't know you guys were like this. (laughs) You too, Mrs. Mills. Please call me Holly. Without waiting for a response, she turned to Clover. He will do. Prepare him for the sacrifice. (gasps) I felt a pinch in my neck, then darkness. And since this is a long story, I'm going to do the second part of it next week. What? That's it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so he felt a pinch in his neck and then he darkness. Yep. yep. Okay. All right. Gosh dang it, Bree. <laughs> <laughs> and the weight ends. It's like, oh. what? Like the, like the way it began, you're like. He keeps on mentioning this whole sacrifice thing. Keeps on just throwing that word out there. Yeah. It's like, okay. And then, like, he goes to this nice house with this nice, cool family. And then, boom. They're crazy, too. They're <laughs> maybe crazier. I bet they're vampires. Uh, you're just going to have to find out. I'll and have to so come back are you next listeners. week. Well, that was good. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm sorry if it was a lot. Um it's i mean it's it's a it's a book so yeah i was reading word for word i didn't want to take out anything right. or change anything obviously it's not mine to change but her book her stories are really well written as you can tell yeah um but yeah it was it was long and i'm glad i only did half of it because your story was kind of long too so. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah all right <sighs> you want to hear a neighborhood story i do okay so this one's from next door And it's from Sharon, and it says, cursing at my dog. Whoever just told my dog to shut shut the F up needs to come to my house and speak to me and my husband directly. Oh, okay. Don't you curse at my dog. Yeah, don't talk talk to my dog that way. (laughs) 
I'm only allowed to talk to my dog that way. <laughs> At the same time, you're just like in a mood and you're so mad, especially if your houses are closer together and like someone's dog just won't shut up and you just go outside and like, shut that yeah. F up. Yeah. Yeah. So, I get I that. I mean, like it, it, she just could have been having a bad day. She could have been having a bad Maybe. day. Maybe. Yeah. But also don't talk to my dog but, that way. Yeah, but also like be nice to my dog. Yeah. Please. So. My dog I I, only, I get yeah. both sides. Yeah, I get both sides. Yeah. I only can talk to my dog that yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. Like can you just tell me to get my dog to shut the fuck up and I'll I'll tell my dog to shut the fuck up. Yeah, exactly. It's fine. Yeah. I got this. So. Um we'll see you guys next week. Yep, we're going to get going and uh enjoy your holiday season. Yeah. And buy those merch shirts. Yeah. Because this is the last week you can get them in time for Christmas. Yes, one of them being a Christmas sweater and a Christmas shirt. So buy them and you can wear them all year long. And Brie and Amy out. And Oh, have you checked in on the neighbors? What's with the neighbors? Brie and, and Amy, Amy out. <laughs> What's with the neighbors? Yeah, I like that better. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I do too, actually. Is less uh, stressful or...